Hey everyone, welcome to the show Off The Record. I'm Aram Milkumov, the host. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, as you know, on the show, I'm interviewing well-known CEOs and VCs about how to spend the money you raise effectively and what mistakes to avoid. Uh, my guests have been in the trenches and have lots of practical advice to share from company stories, failures, and successes. As a founder, you'll hear what you can do better when raising money and after you have raised the money, all in a 30-minute conversation. And if you happen to be a VC, you're also in the right spot. You'll get to learn from your peers. So this is episode number 10, and I'm joined by another great founder and CEO on our show. Ilya Brodsky is the CEO and co-founder of Vanhack. He's building a company that promises the fastest way to hire tech talent. Today, employers on Vanhack can access a community of 200,000 highly skilled tech professionals from 100 plus countries. It's the largest such community in the world. He has several articles on Forbes, BetaKit, and the Global Mail. And he's very active on LinkedIn with a network of over 32,000 followers. And he's actually raised very little money, around 120,000. So Ilya, great to have you on the show. Welcome. Thanks, Ram. It's a huge pleasure to be here. Awesome. So just to give all the listeners some you know, background context. So when we spoke, um, I've, I've known you for years. and. Uh, you know, on this show, we talk about raising funding and like we've, we had different people raise different rounds of funding, but I wanted you to participate in the show because you kind of took a different path. Like you, you know, you graduated from Techstars in Berlin. You got some initial of that capital when you were graduating from the accelerated program. And then you were kind of at like a critical point uh, in terms of, do I go raise money? Like, what are the options there? And then what you did, which I would love to kind of learn more about, because it's a story that I think is very interesting for people to decide what path is best right for them and like whether or not they need to raise money or not. So how about we kind of start off there? If you could tell us in terms of like back then you were in Berlin going through the Techstars Accelerator, kind of like let's jump back in time for a little bit and tell us about that story. Definitely. Yeah. Um, I miss those days. Uh, uh, I know you're in Europe right now. So um, great place to be. Um, yeah. So we, we got into Techstars Berlin um, January 2017 uh, and spent the three months there uh, getting integrated into the, the Berlin ecosystem, the German startup ecosystem, went through the whole mentor madness uh, Techstars program uh, and then demo day was approaching. Um, and we were, you know, like everyone excited to raise money, had practiced our pitch and, and everything. Um, and after demo day, we got a bunch of meetings with, with VCs and angels, a good mix of folks, and uh, went to all those meetings excited and, and pitching and doing all the stuff that you know they tell you to do. Um, and, and frankly, fell flat on my face. Um, so uh, every time I, I pitched, uh, like they, I would get a lot of the same kind of feedback. This is a lifestyle business. This is never going to scale. Uh, this is a VC business, et cetera, et cetera. When we had other companies in their space um, that have raised money and, and, and you know, some more successful than others, but, but you know, the, we, a lot of uh, American or North American VCs have invested in those kind of companies. Um, so we were trying to raise half a million euros um, and uh, raise zero euros. Um, and, and so uh, I was really like feeling frustrated and, and, and kind of down on myself, like what, what, what's going on? What am I doing wrong? Um, and then, you know, that was in kind of March, April, May timeframe, April, May, June. Um, and then September, October rolls around and the business really starts growing. Um, uh, I remember vividly October, I think seventh or eighth that year, we made like nine hires in a day. It was like 
crazy. It was a, it was a record day for us at the time. Um, and we ended up earning more than half a million euros in revenue in October, November, and December of 2017. And so I kind of had this idea or thought of like, you know what, <clears throat> the VCs don't want to give me money, but the customers do and the customers don't take equity. <clears throat> so let's just focus on, on the customers. Um, and uh, since then, I've been a little bit uh, more skeptical about fundraising and have kind of put it on the back burner. Um, not that I don't want to raise and I would love to, if any VCs listening out there, happy to have a conversation, but uh, it's also something that I'm not you know, blindly chasing any VC that wants to give me a check and, and kind of saying, hey, like, let's get into business together. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where, where I think a little, maybe different experience than other founders have had. Okay, and so that was, a, that was a while ago. Where are you now? Like how many people are you ballpark revenue wise like have you grown sure um yeah we we uh i guess one kind of cool stat is public we were we were, uh, we had a 1200 percent revenue growth year over year or for the last three years um we were 39 fast fastest growing company in canada according to global mail of course not every company was actually like participating in that in that survey um but you know it was was pretty cool to get that like you know vanity metric recognition um we're, we're just about to hit 40 people um yeah so it's kind of the, the, the stats Awesome. Cool. Thanks, thanks, thanks for sharing that. Um, when we spoke before, I wanted to kind of talk about your, you were speaking to different investors at different times. Like, how do those first conversations about potential investment into Van Home go? Yeah. So, so do you want to talk about the kind of first ones back in 2015 or, or the ones in like the early, early ones? Let's, yeah, let's talk about the ones in 2015. Sure. Yeah. So, um, I guess back then it was a side project and I didn't really take it too seriously. I thought maybe this could be something, but it wasn't really like my full on, it was my first, this has been, or Van Heck is, is, is kind of my first, you know, quote unquote successful startup. Success is a, a you know, how you say, uh, a spectrum, right? So um, I, I wouldn't say we're super successful, but we're, you know, okay. And uh, before that I had done a bunch of stuff that, that failed. So th this was something that at the time I was thinking it was gonna be just another project that, that wasn't gonna go forward or didn't really have that big of a, optimism on it or confidence in myself, frankly. Um, so back then we, we had someone who invested in the business and it kind of came naturally, like he was kind of a mentor, um, actually had worked for him at the time or previously. And he was kind of the first person to say, you know what, let's, I think you guys should get some investment. And, and um, it was really just a natural conversation uh, that happened and um, ended up investing. And I, I um, you know, it was a helpful, it was a helpful time, but it wasn't like we were like, I had a full-time job at the time. We weren't really formally fundraising it just kind of family and friends you know the fff family friends and fools round um <laughs> early on so <laughs> yeah. and uh what um i mean what what came to you at that time in order to um to raise that capital and how did you spend that initial capital that you raised uh mostly on ads um mostly on on candidate acquisition or at the time student acquisition before when we were really at the time we were still very much focused on just being an ed tech company, had um, selling courses english courses for developers van hacks a two-sided marketplace that connects companies to senior developers but we started off as an online school to teach developers english and soft skills and so at the time we were running a lot of facebook ad funnels um and looking back i i, I wish i raised more and put more money into that because it was a really good channel back then now facebook isn't that good of a channel but um facebook ads were, were kind of our main source or, or main, main um uh yeah a source of new leads and candidates so we, we spent quite a bit of money on that mm -hmm. and so since that time um can you share with us some stories about you maybe speaking to some investors and you know 
any disagreements or did you potentially have arguments with any investors about like equity or anything like that uh, you know through, throughout this whole journey uh yeah i had i had a few i mean i think um what what a lot of people a lot of kind of founders don't don't think about or or, or they, it's, it's really like a marriage right like any business partner or someone who who invests into your company um you know they're you're gonna be connecting them in a meaningful way for quite a while so um we we had a we had a kind of a moment where um, we had a board seat uh, that was one, one, like I had a board seat and the, and, and the investor had a board seat and there was some stress because it was just two people on the board and like we didn't really know who was really going to make the decision at the end of the day and I had to go through the contracts and it was just just one of those things that you don't really want to go through. Um, but uh, again, it was kind of my first time going through all this stuff. So a lot of, a lot of mistakes made. Um, you know, we're still on good terms and everything. We just um, had a little bit of disagreements and um, yeah, to get some lawyers involved and stuff like that, but it, it wasn't crazy. Like we have, have, have worse horror stories. Um, so yeah, it just, I guess one of those things that, you know, you just have to understand that, um, even the person who you think is your best friend, there's going to be a point where you're, you're angry at each other and there's a conflict. So you need to have something in place to resolve it. Mm -hmm. And why, why do you think, uh, for you or for other kind of early stage founders, why do you think, um, research with investors that you bring on is so important and why it's not kind of done enough or done well yeah, enough i think like taking a step back i think just generally i think people's first idea is like i need to raise money and then i'll be successful um and i think it's the opposite i think you need to be successful and then and then you need to raise money um starting a business is i'm gonna say this is not easy but it's i think easier than it's ever been in terms of getting a website up building something with Webflow or Bubble if you don't know how to code and, and just starting to get, you know, revenue in, put in Stripe, PayPal, and you got, you got a business, right? Not every company is like that, of course, but some companies definitely require capital. But I think a lot of candidates, uh, <laughs> sorry, start um, HR mind. I think a lot of entrepreneurs um, think about, um, you know, I'm going to chase, and I was like this. I'm, I mean, back in 2014, 2015, I, I think even 20, yeah, 2016, before we even got Techstars, I was like, I remember going down to 500 startups and being like super nervous. I was like, I'm going to the 500 startups office. Oh my God. Um, you know, you put these people on a pedestal. And um, I am when we, we did a program called Startup Chile, we had some people from YC come by and like everyone was just looking at them like they're these superhumans. Um, and um, I, I think a lot of times you, you kind of feel like, and I think it's human nature, right? Like the, I will be happy when, right? Not in, and then I think there's even a book called I think, The Happiness Equation or something like that, Happiness. Uh, where it's like you're you first be happy and then you'll be successful the same thing here like you first be successful and then you can raise money um so yeah i i think it's more that like just as a as an entrepreneur don't chase the investor chase the customer chase the business grow the business and then you'll have so much more of a compelling story to tell investors and then best case scenario you i don't know if you know jason calcanis this uh this week in startups really good kind of um podcaster um, he talks about the Pegasus startup where you can kind of fly over the funding rounds because you have this you know, horse with wings. You can fly over because you're making enough money. And I think more companies should be like that. I'm proud to say we're kind of like that ourselves. Um, and, and I think, you know, not everyone's able to do that, but if you can be scrappy and, and there's so many ways to make money online in, in your company um, that you, you can. And I think like, you know, a lot of companies like yours where you have an agency that, that does the service and then you can spin off a startup because of that. Um, you know, you can do that model as well. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I think that, that more entrepreneurs should have this focus rather than saying, you know what, 
once I get my Series A from Sequoia, life will be, you know, solved. Yeah, we've been hearing that a lot. And there's always this, like, um, emphasis on raising money. And once I get my Series A or I get money from these VCs, then I'm set, right? But, you know, up to that point, what would you recommend to early stage founders, first time founders even, in terms of how they should research the investors if they do go down that path? So I'm sure you you did some research and you had those conversations. Like, yeah, what I love how I completely didn't answer your question. So you're asking it again. I, I got that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I was thinking actually about that the other day. Um, you, there's so much to, to do. Like, I, I think the, the, the best advice I heard is go to the portfolio page um, and see and try and find if there's any companies that they don't have on the portfolio page anymore. Um, like read, I mean, maybe look, look Google News, the, the firm, see all the funding announcements that they had. And if you see any of those funding announcements that aren't on the portfolio page, there's probably a problem there where the company doesn't, or the VC doesn't want to like publicly acknowledge that this is a, this is a company they've invested in any, and then be associated with it. I've heard that, that's, that someone bring that one, one up before. And I like that, um, uh, you know, going to other founders and in, in the portfolio, I think is a good one. Um, there's a way for you to get in touch with the LP, although it's pretty much, uh, it's pretty private information who the LPs are in specific funds. Um, and usually those people are very, very busy, um, but that could be something. Um, yeah, uh, another thing that I've, I've kind of asked or talked with VCs before is I've always asked them for introductions to potential customers, uh, especially I think for our business, it kind of lends itself to that. Not every business is like that, but um, yeah, that, that could be one. And then essentially having some kind of like dating period where instead of, you know, you investing in me and buying us part of my company and we have, you know, being on my board and all those things, maybe there's a way for us to kind of work together and leading up to that. So I think, I think a lot of VCs talk about that too, where they prefer to see a trend of a trend line uh, of a company and get to know them over a few years. And then when the company's ready to have a, have a, a raise, then, then doing that. Um, so yeah, I think those are all kind of ways that come to mind, but um, I guess we don't really know until we actually start, start working together for real. Wow. Hypothetically, say in the future, say through this podcast, you stumble upon an awesome investor that wants to invest in your business. Um, it could happen, right? Yeah, well, we've uh, had many conversations. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, so like at that time, if that opportunity comes your way, what would you look at in terms of giving up equity that you've spent so much time building and controlling what would what would be that give and take kind of for you? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I guess one thing I'll say is like, I'm pretty proud of the fact that we are at a point where we don't really need to raise. Like, of course, it'd be great to have X amount of million dollars in the bank and, and, and all that, but um, we can say no if we don't want to, right? So that that's something that I, I feel very privileged and, you know, work super hard to, to get to this point. Um, you know, knock on wood, everything keeps going well. Um, I think, I think the biggest thing is, is not, not really, um, like I wouldn't look for specifically like to get the best valuation or having like the, 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 the best, like the most amount of money raised. I, I think I would look more for someone who I can really partner with and work on a business with that's as passionate as I am or as close as passionate as I am about the space. Um, we've talked to a few VCs, for example, who are like all about immigrant founders or all about marketplaces and that kind of more niche focus into exactly what we do would be, would be great. So kind of having that smart money, I think is more, um, interesting than for example, like, I mean, I guess if SoftBank did want to invest in this, I won't say no to that with the crazy valuations that they give, but, um, you, I think that, that kind of, that, that'd be the way I look at it. And, um, 
I think also like I, I run it by my, my, my co-founder and, and the team um, and just kind of make sure that this is something we're comfortable with. Um, and yeah, it's, it's one of those one way doors. So want to make sure that it's, it's the right fit. Um, and, and I d definitely feel like, you know, and I hope to one day raise a ton of money um, and, and uh, be, you know, grow even faster, et cetera, change more people's lives through, through the jobs we give them. But um, I also want to be cautious of that and, and not you know, rush into it. Um, so yeah, I think those are the main things. What would be the main points of caution for you? Is it like maybe uh, control, losing control, losing board seats? Or yeah, I don't want another boss or don't want a boss. So that's, that's kind of a tough point. Like, and I'm sure a lot of VCs will, you know, kind of say we're founder first and friendly and all those things. And, um, but yeah, the board right now is my, myself and my co-founder. Um, maybe, maybe if we have another VC join, like I, I would never want to be in a point where like something like, like what happened it's cliche to say, but like what happened with Steve Jobs, like, of course it's like overblown and et cetera. But um, I just wouldn't ever like to be in a position where someone can tell me to do something with my business that I don't want to do. Like, I just, I just, that's the scariest thing for me. Like I, I'd rather just be me doing like me um, and, and, and my, like just me on the team doing my own thing rather than, than having that where someone's like, no, you have to do it that way. Like, I don't know. I'm pretty, um, I guess, um, stubborn when it comes to that kind of thing and um i like to have the, this freedom of control and you know um i don't I, yeah so i i just i just don't want to um like i don't want to feel like this is a job that i have to perform and deliver to this this other person um mm -hmm. so yeah I, I i would i don't think i've like you know when we do race in the future I, I don't see myself giving up um control um in any meaningful way like information rights of course um all those kind of things sure but like yeah i'm I, I, I don't, I didn't start this business to, to, to have a boss. Okay, very cool. Very, I love the honest answers. Thanks. <laughs> um, when we chatted before you, um, we discussed briefly about non-dilutive type of uh, options, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, in Canada and other areas of the world, there's, there's actually more and more options coming to be. What, what has been your experience with that? How has it helped you, you know, at times of need or just like at times when you needed to expand? Yeah, I think this is the best kept secret in the startup world. Um, this uh, kind of category of funding, um, I, I break it down into two. One is, is debt. So I kind of, I guess this is more maybe for like, well, we did Futurepreneur, which was like a, actually a really great program. It was our first $7,000 loan. Uh, again, use it all on, on ads, <laughs> actually, yeah. seriously. Um, and uh, and, and um, uh, then then we did uh, we got some some loans to the BDC as well, which basically helped uh, save the company this year with COVID. Like we just had the you know terrible time in March, so it really helped us with, with stabilizing the business. Um, so those those two those are kind of obvious ones. I think everyone knows about them. But the ones that I think people don't really know about is the the equity free uh, startup accelerators around the world. So I mentioned Startup Chile, uh, and that really was a life changer for me, like literally changed my life because it was me and I think two people working part-time at the company at, at the time in 20, beginning of 2016. Um, and it was kind of like in a little bit of a rut where like it was just me working on the business. I was literally working out of my bedroom. My office or my desk was a cutting board. Like it was just like, a, sorry, not cutting board, an ironing board, you know? <laughs> um, and it was like very uh, kind of not the most inspiring place to work. Um, and, and then we got into Startup Chile. It was this like amazing experience. We got to go down to Santiago um, and then we got $40,000 in equity free funding from the government, which at the time was, I mean, it still is, but it was a lot, lot of money. 
um, and again, use most of it on ads. <laughs> um, but uh, th then we did another program in Luxembourg after. So we did we did Fit for Start. Sorry, we did um, Start Chile. Then we did Tech Stars. Then we did another program in Luxembourg called Fit for Start, uh, which was um, 50k euros. Um, so even more money, um, equity free. Um, the you know they, there's a lot of bureaucracy you have to go through for it, but you know it's it's it's, it's pretty awesome. Um, so yeah, they're, they're, those two programs were were amazing. Um, and it helped us kind of increase our runway and not have to rely on VC capital or angel investors and other things like that. Um, and I think was, was a huge improvement. And also like you get to like, live in Luxembourg, live in Chile. There's another one in, in Puerto Rico, which we got into, but we didn't go, which I kind of regret, but it, it's okay. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, so I don't think, uh, you know, with COVID right now, probably a lot of these are on pause because you don't want to bring international folks into your country. Um, but uh, when, when things start coming, you know, travel comes back again, hopefully next year. Um, this is definitely a program that I, I highly recommend. And um, anyone listening to this, there's a website called Lootstrapped, like Bootstrap with an L, um, that has a list of all these programs. And um, surprisingly, not many people apply. Like I think when I was in the Luxembourg one, we had maybe 70 or 80 applicants for 10 spots. So not that, you know, not that bad. And a lot of those people were kind of like super early stage startups. So if you had something kind of like in market and, and really business, like, you know, a decent business, you had a really good chance of getting in. So yeah, um, those were really great programs and um, I highly recommend everyone to check them out. That's really interesting. It's like kind of like us when we were starting off earlier, we raised uh, money from different kind of government programs and that kept us mm -hmm. going. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, that's, there's, you're right. It's one of the things that people don't know about and I'm trying to spread the message more about them. So it's a great tip. Thanks. Mm -hmm. um, another question I had uh, that I want to kind of expand more on is um, you mentioned previously to me that every time you tried to raise money, you were focusing on the wrong thing. So I just want to learn more about what the story is in terms of what, what happened. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it's um, like I, and I think it's also, I think this also comes to the fact that like I, still I am not the best uh, delegator and definitely wasn't the best delegator in the beginning. So like a lot of the challenges for me was that I couldn't take that six to, you know, 12 weeks off uh, the business and focus hundred percent on fundraising. I had to do both at the same time. And uh, especially early on, if I like even took one day off, like our metrics wouldn't be the same because I was the main sales engine and, you know, now we're, we're we have an amazing team, but, um, and, and that's been a huge difficult transition for me personally. Um, so I think that, that also has a lot to do with it, but, um, I would just focus a lot on, you know, the, the fundraise, like the, okay, once I have the money, then like, then I'll be happy kind of thing rather than the business. And I think now, like, I'm really excited to just be focusing on the business and getting the business done and executing and then being has that down that way. And, um, you know, we get emails every once in a while from investors and have calls with them and, and stuff like that. And so, um, I think that kind of success can speak for itself and, um, of course, like, you know, if we do decide to fundraise, I would be much more like out there and then having those meetings and taking the time. And I feel like now we're in a much better place to do that because, um, we have kind of a, a team, you know, strong leadership team and kind of built out a, a strong, strong processes and, and all those things that I can, um, take, take the time, um, to, to do that. So, yeah, uh, I think, uh, focusing on, on like the business first, um, is, is key. And also I think for me, delegation is something that I've just learned a lot of and still, you know, as my team's still improving on. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, 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 I think in a better place now than it was, uh, let's say two, three years ago. 
And I really like your approach that if you're successful uh, in what you do running your business with the clients and that it's kind of more organic, then <clears throat> typically things just kind of start to trickle in. Like in the sense like you mentioned, when you do the right thing and you're doing it correctly, then organically things will start coming to you. Yeah. Is this kind of kind of what you see might happen uh, potentially with any future kind of opportunities regarding fundraising or even just like in terms of how you run Van Hack long term? I think so. Um, yeah, I, I go back and forth on it, honestly. Like some days I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to go for it. Like, let's see. And, and worst case scenario, I'll just say no to the term sheet. And then it's like, well, that's kind of a silly thing. Like you should raise only when you really need to, or not really when you need to, but like when you really truly want to, and it's real. Um, you know, I am talking to a few investors here and there about, about kind of the, 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 the future of the business, ones that I think I, we could work with and see where things go. Um, but yeah, I, I do feel like, um, you know, things will happen the right when they're supposed to and um, forcing it will not, you know, it, it, it's, it's funny, like, it, it's actually kind of funny for me to say this because in Van Hack, like one of our values is we go fast and I'm sometimes way too fast and make mistakes and things like that. But now I think I'm trying to take the super opposite approach in this specific area where I want to be really conservative and, and kind of take it slow. Um, you know, actually it's funny, like we were talking here and, and there's a, a company that I had super admiration for and still, still, you know, think it's a um, great, great company. It's hired.com. Um, and there's some news, I, I don't know if you guys saw last week about um, their, them, them shutting down potentially, you know, it's really? not confirmed. Yeah, there's a story and information about it. And, and I th I've been thinking about that quite a bit. And like, um, I'm not saying that, you know, I don't know why I don't have any information inside the company. It was an article, journalists might not write something that's factual that you know, that's happened before. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah, like you, you look at that and um, I just, I just, I guess like, I, I don't want to have that where like you just raise money for, to raise money to, for, for like just for that. And, and, I, and, and I'm not saying like, you know, I'm going to like, I'm so great investors are running all over to give me a check. Like that's not the point at all. But like, I, I guess I'm just, I really want to just be methodical about it and, and build the right business and get to a point where I do have the, you know, as much leverage as possible for when I get to that negotiation. Cause the VC is going to want to take, you know, their 10, 15, 20% and the valuation is going to be based on where, where our growth is. And if it's bad growth and they're going to, they're a, not going to invest in us at all, or B, they're going to have, give us a less lower valuation than, than we would like. So um, yeah, that's kind of the thinking I have. And I also heard from another friend of mine that, like typically when a company raises a series A or series B, the founder has like 10% or less of the business. And that's kind of scary to me. Um, and also like you see, you see cases here in Vancouver with um, plenty of fish. The guy had hundred percent of the business sold it for half a billion dollars. Not, that's not going to be the case for Van Hack, but you know, maybe who knows, but um, uh, that, you know, that, that's a pretty cool story as well. So um, yeah, uh, we're not, you know, maybe somewhere in between those two. <laughs> no, for sure. There's always, there's that, kind of um, typical rule of thumb every time you raise money you give away depending on the company the industry 10 to 20 percent per round of, of your of your company um there's just something i want to ask kind of like a personal thing you, you mentioned to me before but i know earlier on you know and we kind of both kind of share this i think we we have that kind of like um open-minded let's be a nice guy kind of mentality towards people in general, but like, you know, we, we grow a thicker skin as entrepreneurs over time. Um, 
you mentioned to me before that earlier on when you were trying to get the, the money from some people and like you put them on this pedestal and you're trying to be super nice to them to try to win them over and things like that. I, I, I want to kind of get your take on sometimes being the dangers of being a nice guy, mm-hmm. you know, at times in terms of people might take advantage of you at, at different occasions or like, I'm sure you've been through a lot uh, with everything in the last couple of years, especially probably this year with everything that happened. You know, how did you kind of evolve or how did you <laughs> change your personality to like then see things differently and not uh, be that nice guy you know, all the time? Yeah, yeah, good, good question. Um, you know, I think it's because I, I grew up in Canada and, and, and like, you know, we have this um, fantastic world where most, you know, I think it's kind of a little bubble of a country, right? Like there's not that much crime and everyone's kind of nice and all that. So of course, different situations, different life, et cetera. But I had a very, I would say maybe sheltered childhood or like, I, I don't know, I was very outgoing, friends with everyone, we're all going to get along, et cetera. Um, you know, I, having traveled abroad and lived in different countries, I know it's not like that everywhere. Um, so I think like, yeah, for me, it was definitely learning the hard way, um, through big mistakes that, um, you know, stick with you for a while. And it's not just with investors, but it's also with, um, business partners, not business partners, but, um, yeah, business partners and, um, employees on the team and mentors. Um, so yeah, I, I guess, um, you know, I've been burned quite a bit, um, and, it sucks. Like, you know, you trust someone or you, you say, you know what, okay, um, I'm going to, we're just going to go your way, but then you don't really, but that's not really what you want because you know, you're, you just want to make them happy and kind of just move on with it. And then kind of, we're all going to be friends. Um, no big deal. But then it starts creeping up and kind of bother you more and more and more. And it gets to the boiling point and then just, it makes it worse. Whereas you could have just avoided that whole thing if you had just been honest in the start. So that, that kind of stuff is, is tough for me. Um, I think I've, yeah, I've just definitely grown a lot more, skeptical of people um, and um, just much more guarded in terms of like who I actually trust for real hundred um, percent, which is honestly like not that many people, basically my family. Um, and, um, you know, and, and, and that's just come through, you know, trial by fire where um, I've given away more equity than I would like to, or I gave someone mentorship shares that I shouldn't have, shouldn't have or I um, let someone like, be a team member and then that person goes and, and, and kind of betrays my trust in, in different ways so it's um yeah uh, a lot of learning experiences and and um you know thankfully nothing too too terrible but um i guess it, for me it's like now i'm just using it as fuel to, to the fire of like you know let's just get through it and make things like way better so you don't have to, like this thing looks really small in, you know in the rear view mirror um so it's good motivation that way um, but yeah, I would, I would say like vested equity is a, is a really good, um, tip, <laughs> um, to give you like a, a real story, um, off the record. Um, and Van Hack, we started off actually with four co-founders, me and three other people. Um, and again, I thought this would be a side project and give, give much, much like, you know, I think it's funny, like looking back, I should have taken every single business that I start as like, this is going to be a billion dollar business. Cause like, why not go into it with that mindset? Um, but I had been burned through so much pain, uh, failure that I just kind of was like, you know what, this is nothing. It was almost kind of like my last, not last, I would have kept doing startups. I can't live any other way, but, um, it was, it was kind of like at a point in my life where I just was like, nothing was going right. So why would this go right? Anyway, um, I got some advice to give everyone equal shares. We're all, you know, um, <laughs> 25, 25, 25%. <laughs> and, uh, um, yeah, it was pretty terrible advice because uh, even though I was like the main person driving the business, it was my idea. 
I, I, you know, I didn't have all, all of a sudden I, I could be outvoted. Um, and like one by one, the three co-founders or co-founders in you know, quotation marks, not really, um, were, you know, we're, we're kind of, we, we let them go. Uh, so the first one was really obvious. We kind of were like, okay, first week, two weeks, obviously this person's not a fit. They, they went on vacation, weren't participating at all. It's like, okay, you're not really committed. So you're gone. The second one was a little bit harder because um, he was a like, technical person and he wasn't even technical himself, but he had a friend who was a developer and then he took three months off because he was moving countries and it was a whole thing. And just like, okay, you're out. And then the third one was the hardest one because he was actually here in Canada and we had contracts and everything. We had to buy him out and it was super stressful. Um, but uh, yeah, like that whole experience of being a nice guy, like, you know what, we're just going to all be equals. Um, my, my dad fled Soviet Union for a reason because <laughs> that never really works. Um, so, uh, I should have, I should have definitely not made that decision, but Hey, um, you know, live and learn and, and kind of, um, uh, yeah, now I can tell people to, to vest equity. So even if it's your best friend, you guys both have 50% of the, the business, you start off with, you know, earning, uh, 12 and a half, 12 and a half, 12 and a half, 20 half percent each over four years. And there should be one CEO and all those kind of things. So yeah, um, kind of, uh, nice guys uh, sometimes do finish last, but so, yeah. <laughs> That's great. Great. Yeah. Um, just a couple more questions and then before we wrap up, um, it's a question about uh, how you kind of manage some of your capital spends. So like specifically, like, you know, with a lot of people that we speak to, they have this cash, they have these kind of cushion and they can kind of like spend different things around their budget needs in our business where, you know, we're kind of self-sufficient and uh, we have, our own kind of things that we need to spend mm -hmm. uh, capital things. Well, how do you as a business owner determine how much of the revenue that you get goes into what kind of pockets of your budget expenditures? Um, you don't have to go specifics or anything, but just like, how do you kind of plan that out on a quarterly basis? Yeah, to be honest, um, we don't do a good job of this. Um, like we don't really plan things um, you know, quarter by quarter, it's more like, here are our goals. These are OKRs for the quarter. Let's mm -hmm. get them done. Um, most of the time I will invest in something, whether it's software or ads or a conference or something like that, when, uh, we believe that there's a high potential for a return on that investment. Um, mm -hmm. so it's very much an ROI driven focus. So for example, we just started doing LinkedIn ads. Um, we spent about 30 K on that this year, for example, and, um, we've gotten a few leads and, and a couple uh, hires hopefully soon to be it. And then that'll be like approved to be a positive ROI. So we're probably going to increase that budget to, to a larger amount next year. Um, whereas things like, for example, going to events, we used to go to a lot of those events. Now, of course, with COVID, we don't. But even before that, we looked at it and saw that it was really not best. Like cold email was actually working for us better than events. So we said, you know what, let's stop going to events and let's focus more on outbound cold emails and improving that. Um, so just things like that. Like there's, it's, we're not like a super well, like structured process corporation. It's much more like we see an opportunity, we're going to go for it. Um, so that, that's kind of the way that I look at it. And it's more like case by case basis to approve a, a cost, uh, rather than, um, okay, you're going to have this much money for that. And if you don't spend it, then the budget goes away. We're, we're definitely not, not there yet. Um, you know, probably one day, but right now we're still very much enjoying the, the startup phase. Yeah, that's, that's great to hear. And, uh, I know a lot of people who raise large sums of money just have to burn it. It's just one of the mandates of like uh, mm. getting VC funding is that you have to spend hey, this money. Hey, they need to hire any developers. Happy to, happy to take it off their hands. <laughs> nice. Love it. Um, 
last question here, Ilya, and then we'll, we'll, we'll finish up. Um, covered a lot of ground. You have a lot of experience in different kind of like uh, topic areas. I wanted to ask you one thing, which is any final messages you'd like to leave to the audience in terms of um, the discussion around what we're having? Any kind of like golden nugget pieces that you want to uh, part, part ways with? Mm. I think, I think if you can figure out how to sell as a CEO and founder, um, then you kind of control your destiny. Um, so I would figure it out as soon as possible, how to sell enough money to be sustainable, uh, sell enough money, make enough money to be sustainable in your business. Um, and then you just have kind of that weight off your shoulders where it's not like, okay, we have like six months of cash left. We have five months of cash left, four months of cash left. Okay. Let's start calling VCs and all that stuff. Um, but you can be at a point where, okay, we're making, let's call it seven, eight K a month to pay the two, three people that we have on our team. Um, awesome. We can breathe. And um, I remember like dreaming about getting to that point. And um, I have to say, like, it's totally possible. You just need to keep, keep overhead is super low um, and, and just focus maniacally on customers. Um, at the beginning, that's pretty much the only thing that matters. Um, in my opinion, I mean, I think there's two kind of schools of thought, um, and, and um, you know, some people think they need to have a perfect product to be able to launch, and then all of a sudden, you know, everything's great. I think, um, yeah, if you you know, product is important, but um, if you can just focus on getting sales to the door, um, again, I think it's I'm biased. If I was a developer, I'd probably be on the product side of things. But um, that being said, like I, I really feel like you can you can do so much with so little these days um, that. You, you owe it to yourself, even maybe like do the sales thing first and then be like, okay, we got to the 10K MRR, we can breathe. Now let's spend six months and really hammer out the product to make it perfect. I think that, that kind of blend may be maybe better like that rather than one or two extremes. I think that could be much, uh, that, that could be better or that could be like, you know, just, just having that, that control and peace of mind. And it's so great like um, to, to have that. And um, yeah, I, I would say like focus, focus on that as much as possible. Awesome. Ilya, it's been wonderful having you on our show. It's been a, a refreshing conversation, you know, for people to know that there is another way other than getting VC funding. And I uh, appreciate you sharing all this kind of genuine and transparent knowledge with, with us today. So thank you so much. Um, so to all the people listening, thanks, thanks for listening and joining uh, Off the Record. Uh, just to recap, off the Record is a podcast with the goal to build a community of founders and VCs around it so they can make their businesses better. So thanks again, and I'll see you next time.